This podcast is sponsored by Track, web-based, roof system-specific training modules perfect for new and developing installers. Visit nrca.net slash education to learn more. Welcome to another edition of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry presented by the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. Our longtime listeners know our goal is you would be proud of the great things being done in the roofing industry and that you might learn something along the way. If this is your first episode, we are glad you are here. And if you enjoy it, give it a rating or a comment in whatever platform you are listening. I'd like to start this story with a little piece of wisdom from my grandfather. He said, if you want to set your company apart, be willing to do the hard jobs that most companies aren't willing to do, and you will always have work. With that in mind, every season we try to bring you a story of a difficult job. You may remember Roofing Jerry's World, the story of roofing the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Well, today we are going back down to Dallas, where King of Texas Roofing Company shares with us just a few of their three decades worth of projects on one of the world's busiest airports, DFW. Nelson Braddy uh, with King of Texas Roofing Company. Uh, My daughter and son-in-law have come into the business and actually are starting to take over the business. So my official title is Founder. So I kind of do what I want. (laughs) With decades of tough projects under his belt, I would say he's earned it. Before we hear about some specific airport projects, let's take a minute to understand how working at an airport is different than just any other box. When you're working at an active airport, and granted, there are buildings on airport property that aren't really a whole lot different than any other building. But when you're working on a terminal building, on an active terminal, you actually have two parts of the airport operation. One they call the uh, the public side, which is the, the side where you drive your car up, you park your car, where you're coming in and out of the terminal, you're unloading. So that's basically you're dealing with the public side of the terminal. The other side of the terminal, what they call the air side, is officially called an AOA area, air operations area. That's where the planes are coming and going. That's where you have the ground staff, the trucks, the catering vehicles, all of the operations of uh, the airlines is, is on that side of the terminal. Both of those areas create a unique set of, of safety issues uh, for the public, taxi cabs, pedestrians, all of those people working on that side. But the real challenge is working on the air side where you have to deal with operations in a big airport like the EFW, you have air operations going pretty much 24 hours a day. Airports are run by the airlines. The airlines pay for the airports, they pay for the access to the airports, they pay landing fees, and they're the boss. So you have been told you can start operating in that gate tonight at 10 o'clock, and at 9.58, they said, oops, sorry, you can't operate here. We're going to put a plane there in 10 minutes. That's the way it is. You, you don't have a choice. You can't argue. It's like, yes, sir. 
<laughs> one night, I remember specifically one night we had like 12 truckloads of materials coming in, semi loads. We had a crane lined up, ready to go. Airline says, you can't work there tonight. <laughs> and that's the way it is. And then, so now I have 12 semis and a crane. Where, what am I going to do with this stuff? You have all of those issues of somebody dropping something off the uh, roof and it hits an airplane. God help you. Sometimes when you sit in a terminal and look, waiting for your airplane, if you, you ever look out at what that looks like, it looks like chaos. It's really pretty organized, but there's a lot of rules in terms of what vehicles can go what place. And if I'm going to go from gate 23 to gate 16, how do I get there? You just can't jump in your truck and, you know, start running across the tarmac. A lot of rules, a lot of regulations, some pretty severe penalties if, if you don't follow the rules. So you have to understand all that and what those rules and regulations do to your logistics. So you may think, you know, this is how I'm going to handle the job. This is what my logistics are going to be. But if you run up against uh, the airport regulations or the airlines say, you're not going to do that and get in my way, you can't. Words of wisdom from years of experience doing roofing projects on an airport. But it didn't start that way. Let's rewind history a little bit to the first time King of Texas worked on DFW. This was in 1982, which at the time was the biggest project we had ever bid upon. And to be honest with you, uh, we learned we were probably in over our heads <laughs> on the project. But it was quite a learning opportunity. DFW Airport was already 10 or 12 years old at the time, so they were in the mode of having to re-roof some of their terminals. And at the same time they were looking at the re-roofing, they were actually expanding some of the terminal, terminals. They were adding on to what, what we call the air side of the terminals. And I happened to have a friend in Pennsylvania who was a general contractor. He also had an operation in Dallas, and he gave me the opportunity to put in a bid on the expansion of the terminal as well as the re-roof of the existing terminal. Uh, and at that time, that terminal was called uh, Terminal 3E. Uh, it's actually Terminal C today. What actually attracted us to the job was that it was going to be a ballasted neoprene membrane system, not EPDM, neoprene, because single ply was really uh, starting to, well, it was starting to become the prominent membrane systems at the time. Texas was still pretty much an asphalt market. Nobody in Dallas knew a whole lot about ballasted membrane systems. So we felt it gave us a leg up to take a shot at this thing. So that's how we got into it. And we wound up actually getting this job, both the expansion new roof, as well as the tear off of the existing roof and the installation of the new ballasted neoprene system. Maybe they were a little in over their heads, but King of Texas had set themselves apart by having experience in advancing technology that their competition hadn't yet adopted. And they were willing to do the hard jobs. Uh, we would have a, a crew at night that would do tear-off uh, when we were working on the re-roof portion. They would do the tear-off. We would load, take the materials off the roof, haul it away, 
then we would have loads of materials several nights a week would come in uh, and stock the material from the air side. And that's where the coordination with uh, the airline and the airport came in that we said, look, we have to have a certain area on the air side to load the project. So we would generally be assigned one or two gates. So tonight you can work on gate 23 and 24. So we would have an assigned work area where that's where the semis would come in. Now keep in mind, this is before 9-11. So it was a lot freer access to the air side. But at that time, the semis could come in, you went to the assigned gates, you had a crane, you put the materials up, you take the garbage down. At the end of the night, the day crew comes in and they actually did the install. They actually did the installation during the day. And as long as uh, you took safety protocols so that stuff wasn't blowing off the roof, um, you could work during the day. Mishandling tools and materials is rare for trained experts, but the Texas wind can sure complicate the job. Uh, we used a lot of rubber tires. Uh, we went to junkyards and said, you want to get rid of some rubber tires? So we bought truckloads of truck tires and old tires we used for ballast because the, the crew during the day could do all the flashing, the installation, laying the insta insulation, all of that. But we couldn't ballast until that night. In the morning, the superintendents had to make, they had to look at not only what was the weather for during the day, but what was the weather for that night because we, we tried to avoid getting into the situation where we had a lot of roof laid down and then could not ballast that night because of weather. In certain times of the year, especially when the wind kind of blows constantly in the spring, uh, we get very constant winds and they're usually out of constant direction. So we would erect uh, a fence and we would use the, um, oh, that orange fencing you see along construction sites and highways to at least catch the big pieces, and probably three feet high at least, around the perimeter in an attempt to catch those big pieces. Uh, the little dusty particles, now we couldn't, couldn't really control those, but every once in a while, if um, a piece of insulation cleared the fence and got down on the ground, uh, I can assure you, <laughs> we heard about it. You know, and your only hope was that it would hit the ground and somebody would pick it up before it got ingested into an engine. Layers of bosses is commonplace in airport work. The problem is in 1982, King of Texas was the only company around that even understood the technology of a neoprene membrane. You had a lot of people wanted to be bosses. You had people from the airport who had their own people that thought they knew something about roofing. Uh, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, we had consultants for the airport. We had consultants watching the consultants. So we had a lot of people watching over what you're doing. Keep in mind that this was a system that many of the people that were watching us had never seen, <laughs> had never seen a system like this. It took about a year and a half to do. I want to say it lasted about 17 years. By now, I think we all can agree it takes a unique roofing company able and willing to handle the challenges of roofing an airport. King of Texas went on to do DFW's repair and maintenance contracts and was contracted to roof the terminal train stations and the new international terminal. 
We will get to those projects and what happens when you've got an active job open on an airport and a major security threat shuts down airports all around the country. Those stories and more in a moment, but first. Track. Training for Roof Application Careers is a web-based modular training system designed specifically for new or developing installers to learn the ins and outs of a particular roof system. With Track, when you hire someone brand new to roofing, you have at your fingertips interactive training that systematically walks the installer through the basics of safety and low and steep slope roofing, all the way through the details of the roof system installation. Laid out within the track training system are specific hands-on training activities, giving the roofer opportunities to practice what they have learned, and there are quizzes along the way so you can be confident the training is being completed. Each version of track comes in English and Spanish, and with one system-specific purchase, your company can use track for an unlimited amount of employees. Go to nrca.net slash education to learn more about track and how it fits into the entire ecosystem of training opportunities from NRCA. That's nrca.net slash education. King of Texas Roofing Company admitted when they first started working on the roofs of DFW back in the 1980s, they were a little out of their league. But they were the only ones in the area at the time that had the expertise in the roof system spec. They quickly learned to adapt and thrive with logistic changes, constantly shifting schedules, and layers of bosses. Let's fast forward the story now to when DFW began building terminal train stations to carry passengers around the expansive airport. Welcome to our story, Paul Wozniak. I'm a project manager estimator for King of Texas Roofing Company in Grand Prairie, Texas. Obviously, it was an active airport, and initially when we started, we were doing the APM stations, or they called them the people movers, were train stations at every terminal. So it was an individual new building being attached to the existing terminal building. You know, obviously you're working on an airport. It was right after 9-11. Security was super tight because this, this operation started in 2002. You know, you got to go through all the security checks through the government, through the airport. Everybody had to be AOA badged to where we had full access to uh, areas around the aircraft inside the terminals. Um, it, it was quite complex in the sense of doing that. So there was a lot of logistics for the company just to be able to get that portion of it done to where you could build a crew to go in and do what you needed to do for the day shift or the night shift. Pause and let that sink in. Every person on your crew now has to be badged. That is not a 10-minute process or even an hour process. Each worker is background checked, which now can take days to get a crew member authorized to work on the job. We were only allowed to load materials at night. So we had to be in ready to roll at 10 p.m. And we had to be picked up and cleaned up by 5 a.m. When we show up at 10 p.m., there's a gate. Example, say it was Terminal A-28. There's the gate, the 29 and 30 to the right and left. Those are, you know, those are cleared out. There's no aircraft there. And then we would roll in there at 10 p.m. and set up all of our cones, all of our flag stands, and we would bring our material in, along with the crane. 
And we were picking material up off the tarmac right there at the gate and flying it up over a building and dropping it in on the backside of it. So we were doing all of this stuff blind. Obviously, we would get everything done and to the point where about 4.15, 4 a.m., somewhere around there, then it's time to start packing everything up. We're picking up our cones. We're sweeping up the tarmac. It would be 10 minutes to 5, and I kid you not, but here is a live aircraft rolling up to the gate as we are driving away. And, and this happened multiple times. Smooth as butter until it's not. I mean, there was a haul road at the back of the airport that we used to, to line up, and it was, you know, it was like a caravan. We had all of our trucks with our material loaded for what we needed to put in that night for the next day's operation. You know, I, I can tell for anyone else thinking about this, you have to be prepared because there'll be some nights that you're all, you got all your ducks in a row, your crane shows up, you're ready to roll, and guess what? Airport operations shut you down. They just say, we don't want you in tonight. We can't move the aircraft, so you guys can't work. So you've lost everything that you've prepared for that day. You take everything back to the shop, you send the guys back home, and you regroup and reschedule it for the next night. We were only allowed so much material, so we were loading stuff at night for the next day's production. So if you lost a night, there was no roofing production the next day. And it was always windy at the airport. There were days that it was Crystal clear blue sky in the winter or summer, if it was hot, it didn't matter. Beautiful day to be roofing, but the wind was blowing 20, 25 miles an hour and it was too windy, we couldn't work. For fear of losing material, we didn't want anything to get away from us. Wind and schedule have been accounted for, but now the challenge of playing nice with others. Learning to deal with the other trades and the coordination that's involved with the roofer the stud guy's got to get in and get his studs built. You're talking to the mechanical guy about his curbs. You're, you're worrying about insulation thicknesses. How's all this stuff going to come together? It all looks great on paper, but when you get out in the field and you see things like a short curb and you realize it's laying over in an area of, of some substantial tapered ISO, and it's like, gentlemen, we're going we're gonna to bury this thing. You know, the, the drawings may show this, but this is what our drawings are. This is how we have to build this you have to raise this. So, I mean, I still remember the day we finished the first 8 p.m. station and I took Nelson out there so he could actually see, you know, our finished product and, and what it looked like. And I can tell you, I was proud of the company and I was proud of the crews and everything that we did because we put a lot of hours and a lot of time into getting that thing done. And that was the first one. The first one, and yes, they should have been proud but they still had seven more train stations around the airport to get finished. I, I want to thank the APM stations alone had somewhere in the neighborhood of around 27 or 28,000 hours. By now, nearly two decades of working at DFW and King of Texas has gotten good at handling wind and ever-changing schedules. Then something completely unexpected happened when they were working on the brand new international terminal, Terminal D. Here again is Nelson Brady. Uh, that actually was about a three-year project for us. That was started prior to 9-11, and the project was maybe 50% complete. The, the roof was, uh, the building was up, and we had started roofing when 9-11 hit. And, and I remember the day we were sitting in here in the office watching the TV and watching what was transpiring in New York, and I got a call from our our superintendent out on that project, and we were laying we were laying roof. It was a fully adhered uh, Sarnafil PVC system, 
They had been working since five or six o'clock in the morning. They had insulation laid out. They had insulation screwed down to the deck. 9-11 happened. And of course, the, the people on the crew didn't know anything about it. Security people came up on the roof and said, drop what you're doing, get off the building, get out of here. And they said, well, we have this exposed insulation. We can't can't leave it this way. We have to cover it up. And they said, you don't understand. I said, get out of here, stop what you're doing and just leave it. So our crew uh, left the job, insulation laid out, materials wherever it was, tools wherever it was, and left the job. And we were not allowed back onto that job for about three weeks before we could get back onto that project. Subsequent to 9-11, that entire project was redesigned on the fly. As it was being built, changes were being made to reflect new security ideas, new security protocols that were going to be built into all new airports. The problem was they were trying to build <laughs> build them into an airport that was well along the line. But everything changed. They were changing uh, windows, window structures, um, even that Terminal D has these very high soaring ceilings and glass uh, above the roof line, maybe going up 150 feet above the roof line. Well, all of that glass was, some of that glass was in. Well, they took it all out. Uh, they changed the framing on the glass. They changed the window roof interface. The whole thing changed, putting in blast-proof glass, things like that. So the whole design was of the building was being changed while we were roofing the building, which created a whole <laughs> uh, nightmare scenario, actually, in terms of, of doing things. And then they'd give you a set of drawings and say, no, 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 this is the way we want it. So tear this all out and start over. And it was quite a challenge. By sharing some of the experiences King of Texas have had working on the roofs of DFW, clearly the challenges have been highlighted. My first intention with this episode is to honor King of Texas for their work in an incredibly challenging environment. Second, I want to highlight some of the details it takes to do work on an active airport. And if your company is thinking about getting into this type of work, Nelson and Paul have some advice for you. Expect the unexpected. You can do it in 10,000 hours. You better add another six or 8,000 hours. You're going to lose time. You're at the mercy of airport operations. Um, you cannot control them. They are priority. I think you have to be honest with yourself about your capabilities, whether you have the staff, the expertise, and even the workforce to do the job. Be honest with yourself and say, you know, maybe this is... You know, I need a few more years experience before I tackle something like this. But if you make that decision that you can do it, it's all about doing your homework. It's all about making sure uh, up front that you understand the spec, you understand the conditions that you're going to be working under. It's not like you're working on a 5,000 square box out in the middle of a field. Understanding the rules, understanding what those costs are when those things occur and make sure that you're covered do work out there. It's like, I don't necessarily need to be the low bidder here. You know, I'd much rather be the second bidder or third bidder. Low bidder a lot of times gets in trouble. It's not undoable. It can be done. And it, it is an experience like any other when you're finished with it, when the project is complete. 
because you look back at all the challenges that you dealt with and, you know, obviously in, in, in our business, you know, you get great satisfaction from that. Satisfied. That's a good word. You know, my grandfather said those willing to do the hard jobs will always have work. Well, let me add, those that conquer the challenge presented will experience great satisfaction. Thank you, Nelson Braddy and Paul Wozniak of King of Texas Roofing Company for taking the time to share the stories of Roofing DFW Airport. We are proud of you and have learned from your experiences and wisdom. We are always looking for more stories to tell of the great work being done in the roofing industry. Email me at stories at nrca.net and tell me your story. We just might choose to share it here. As we end our time together, just a reminder that if you want to see us continue to produce these episodes, make sure you share it with one person that needs to hear it and give it a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. I am your host, Jared Ribble, signing off. Be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. You made it all the way to the end, and thank you. Here is a quick bonus story about being a low bidder. Well, when this building came up for re-roof seven, eight, nine years ago, uh, the board had somewhat changed, uh, and they had a different group of people there, and they were pretty much uh, take the low bidder. Well, they took the low bidder on the the re-roofing project, and he was like in a different universe from (laughs) where everybody else was price-wise. And nobody knew who he was. I mean, he was like a just completely unknown. Uh, He got about halfway into the project and he went bankrupt. So then the project sat there for umpteen months, half finished. They had to get bonding companies involved and, and it was a real mess. 